Hello and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson and today I have exciting news. We have a new guest, my friend Beth Zisberg. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, doing well, you know. Just had to dig myself out of two feet of snow over here in New York, so nothing beats that. (laughs) Don't miss it. Not one bit. Um, So you're brand new to the show, so let me explain to everyone who you are. You are someone I've never met. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. Um, I, about, I guess about six months ago now, I joined um, your improv troupe, so... You run the improv troupe for Hudson Valley Improv, and we have been doing improv via Zoom for the last six months together. And over the course of that time, we've gotten to know each other. But again, you're on you're in New York and I'm in L.A. and we've never met. So (laughs) it's great. But yet we've been performing together. We see each other every week, but we technically have never actually met in person. But yeah, I know so much about you. And I, you, because that's the thing. The first 15 minutes of every rehearsal, and I'm sure it's that way for every improv troupe across America, it's just a little therapy sesh. So we kind of dish about what sucks and what's going well. And uh, one of our um, improv people that we do improv with in the troupe, Rafaela, she always dishes on all the famous people she randomly meets at her job. So, <laughs> seriously, it's like something new, and it's just like, oh yeah, I just met them. I'm like, what? But, yeah, hold on, let's just take a break and just repeat that story, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's got Clinton stories, Bush stories, Obama stories. I'm sure she's got thousands of them. <laughs> I want to know how did you get into improv? Because that's something I'm excited about because usually we're together with like five other people and we're just all like gibber gabbering and all that. But I want to dig a little deeper into you just because I'm fascinated and I love to share new friendships with my listeners. So we'll start there. How did you get into improv? So I, you know, it's funny. I don't know exactly how many years ago it was that I took my first improv class. It's like seven or eight years ago now. And the thought kind of came to me, I wanted to get back into acting. You know, I went to the performing arts high school in New York City. I was a vocal music major, but I've always loved acting and, you know, dabbled in it in college. And then post-college, you know, when you're stuck working all the time, you're like, okay, well, I need a hobby. And I took some, you know, straight acting or what you can consider like straight acting, you know, versus improv. Um, I did some classes at Stella Adler and I wanted to just do something else. And everyone always said I'd be a really funny comedic actress. And then I read both Tina Fey's and Amy Poehler's books. And I was like, why don't I try my hand at improv? And that just kind of went. I took a level one course at the pit, fell in love with it, and eventually had the guts again to continue. And just ever since then, I haven't looked back. Wow, that that's fantastic. And just for a little bit of a background context, the pit, for everybody listening, I'll give you a little two second education. Um, improv is a fairly new art form as far as any of the other art forms like singing and acting and all this is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Improv sort of developed in the 20th century and it started in Chicago. It's the second city. And the second city is this school that, um, teaches improv and performs improv. And then as things developed, there were other schools like here in LA, we have the groundlings and we have um, now UCB upright citizens brigade created by Amy Poehler. And in New York, there are some upright citizens brigade is there too. 
but also there's the pit where you went, the People's Improv Theater, and I went to another school in New York for improv called the Magnet Theater. So I think that catches everybody up. When you do improv, you go somewhere to learn improv. Exactly. Yeah, you have to take a course in it. It, Even if you're really good, as we'll say, BS artist, there's still a lot Mm -hmm. more to being able to just talk from the top of your head and know what you're doing with it. So, And that is a big part of it, to be able to think on your feet and everything. But there are parameters and rules that make for a proper improv scene. So, And I love that you and I seem to be two very, very staunch rule followers when it comes Mm -hmm. to improv. So... Yeah, and I love it. as we call ourselves, we're purists. <laughs> we are. We do. We say that a lot. We're like, we're purists, so we have no props. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you want to be drinking, you better sure as shit have that cup in your hand, but not a real right. one, you know? Yeah, and if not... you're taking, if you have glasses, you leave those on, but you take off your improv glasses. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was um, Sam, our improv instructor, who taught me, you know, because when you hold a gun, you, you and when you're miming holding a gun, you use your finger and your thumb to make the shape of the gun. And that's not correct. You put your finger on the trigger and hold the stock and point the gun, the invisible gun. Everything about it is invisible. And if you held a gun like that with your finger and your thumb up, you would burn your fingers and hurt yourself. And <laughs> it just wouldn't be pretty. Um, I came to improv. Um, I, haven't, I don't think I've ever really talked about this this much on this show. I came to improv. I moved to New York from Alabama, of course. And I had a friend who did voiceover. Um, and he just would get, like, random emails from different people doing different things. And he got this email for Samantha Jones improv classes. And he just sent it my way. And he was like, maybe you want to do try this? I don't know. I just thought maybe you'd like it. And I... I had moved to New York because I knew sort of what I wanted to do with my acting because I was an actor, still am. And I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that like funny sitcoms, Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett and people like that was who I wanted to emulate. So that was as far as I got. And so I was just like, huh, improv, that could help. That could be, that could be interesting. Let's try that. And I went to Sam's class and I think I took six of her classes that she was just giving, you know, periodically throughout time. She did independent work. Um, And eventually I got to a point where my life took me in a different direction for a little bit as things happen. You know, you come up to, you know, money troubles or or you get busy with another job or this or that. And I had stopped doing that. And also I told Sam that I, um, I wanted to be a little bit more organized and developed in my, improv acting and I wanted to go further I wanted to go deeper because I had such a love for this craft I wanted to try something you know with an organization so I joined the magnet and Sam coincidentally moved to the Hudson Valley which is just north of New York City and and so that that happened we Sam and I stayed in touch we didn't really ever do improv again together and then at the beginning of the pandemic Sam reached out to me because I had been following her. I knew that she had moved up to to Hudson Valley. She started a, an improv school like the pit or the magnet or anything else that we've just talked about. And she started Hudson Valley improv and she had two house teams and it was thriving. It was really going well. The Hudson Valley improv, she had a lot of students. She had a lot of work. She, she put on a lot of shows and then the pandemic happened and everything went digital. 
and she reached out to me and she's like, you know, you've always done improv and I'm all digital now. So I'm want to offer you a slot on my house team because a house team again is once you get so far into the program, you join the house team and you become sort of a company player for that school for a while. And so that's what you and I do together. Mm -hmm. I think that's in 10 minutes we've covered how we got here (laughs) The history of our school, the history of our <laughs> improv troupe. That was good. This is probably the most concise episode I've ever had. <laughs> well, that's improv. You need to be specific and you need to add as much detail as you possibly can as quickly as you can so that you can continue the scene going without boring everyone. <laughs> so you used a rule perfectly. <laughs> I love it. You get, And that's the, that is the key of improvers. That, that, or not the key, but I would, I'll, I'll say that's the fun of it. When you meet a fellow improver. And that's what happens. You never you meet them minute one and you follow the rules of improv and you're doing phenomenal scenes and letting the chemistry do it work, do the work for you. So I feel like that's that's the beauty of what we our improv troupe, Porcupines, Porcupine Uprising. Um, That's the beauty of it. So this has been a fun six months for me. And it's been great having you. And it, that was the craziest thing because when we and when the pandemic first hit, we're, our team was actually only four people. And so it was very interesting going from being on stage and then doing it now remotely. And it, it was one of these things where it's like doing improv remotely with so little people. It was very different feel. And then we started to get to grow. And then when you joined, it was like, wow, we're really being able to do this even you know bigger and wider. And the craziest thing is the fact that you're on a completely different coast than we are. So, and you were getting to like still have this connection and make it work. And, and it's, it's just been such a fun last, you know, for you, I know you've been with us for six months, but it's just been, it's fun to also now get to experience a new aspect of improv because Mm -hmm. it's such an in-person thing. And now it's like opened up to where you can theoretically improvise with anyone anywhere in the world at any time now because of you know something that we had to adapt which is you know we yes ended a situation just to bring back in a little bit more improv but right you know that's kind of how this year went with everything and it's it's been fun it's a it's been a lot of fun still getting to have improv in our lives but not necessarily having to endanger ourselves to make it happen right and that was really interesting to me just how naturally it felt to be in that, to be in a space on Zoom and, you know, bringing those skills to the forefront of your brain and doing it, it just felt natural. It felt like improv. It, it, to me, in so many ways, it felt like, um, just like being on stage with, with fellow cast members. Um, and we have even, we've even developed, and I've been watching other people doing improv on Zooms as well. And they've doing, they've started doing the same thing, even ways to interact with each other, like handing each other things and, you know, touching each other's face on Zooms. It, it's becoming very natural. So it's just fascinating to see it develop. Yeah, it's been really cool, especially that whole like, the being able to touch each other, you know, because that's how do you do that through a t- screen? And it's it, improv is all about figuring it out in many ways. You know, that, that's part of the fun of it. It's because you don't know where the scene's going to take you or where your game is going to take you, depending on what you're playing. And you have to figure that out. And not only that, you're figuring that out together. You're not alone doing it. So right. it's nice that, you know, 
as improvisers, we're not going to shy away from the, you know, challenges that being on Zoom might do to us or being across the country could even do. It's like, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do and just try it. And if it doesn't work, well, now we know and we don't do it again. <laughs> so, and I think that's why it's, it helps make it feel so natural. Like, and, you know, that comfort is one of the things I love about improv because I feel you should be able to go to any improv environment and feel that welcome and feel that support and just be able to improvise with them. Obviously, different levels might not have that same comfort, but for seasoned improvisers, I think that's just it's one of those things where it's like you're going into that world and you're like, oh, this feels like home no matter what, even though I have no idea where I am or who any of you are, but this just feels comfortable. And I always love mm-hmm. that. Well, and it's interesting too, and I'm sure you've you've encountered this in um, your life that there's actors who they they live and die by the script. They cannot do improv, and that's no shade to them. It's just a different skill set because there's people who are musical theater actors, and there's people who only love their straight plays, and there's people who do improv, and then there's some people who just do it all. Who cares? <laughs> um, but people are so. There are, there are actors out there, brilliant actors, who are terrified of improv because they need the control of what, knowing what's coming next. And I'm kind of totally opposite of that. When I get on stage, I'm like, I can't wait to see what character I'm about to do because I have no idea. <laughs> and that's so much fun. Do, do you find that to be true for you as well? Oh, yeah. No, I love it. And and it's actually, it's the weird thing for me is I try to keep a lot of that same looseness and improv whenever I've done scripted acting. It's a similar mindset. You know, it's like even though this, you have the script, the performance could still be different every time. And that's, mm-hmm. I've always been that type of performer to where I want it to be organic, where I don't want to have to say the line the same way every time. Because I feel like that becomes not just boring to play, but if someone wants to see multiple performances of you, are you really showing them any depth of range? And and that's, again, just my own personal opinion. There are some people who can just make the same scene look amazing a million times, you know, mm-hmm. the same way they did it. But, you know, for me, like, I, I love that jumping off the cliff edge and not knowing where you're going to go. Because when I, I feel like when, like, the scene is successful, you're like, it's like the biggest high ever. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe we just made that whole thing up. Like, let's do it again. What's right. the next suggestion? And, you know, I absolutely love it. But, yeah, I try to do that same approach in, you know, my scripted work or even singing, you know, I because, like I mentioned earlier, I was a singer. And I feel like you want to hear the song different every time, you know, mm-hmm. it's yes, we, we hit those high notes and it's great, but it's those other moments like the riffs or the runs or, you know, whatever term you want to use for like the, uh, you know, like the little wobbles. That's what makes it so beautiful and alive. And I, I feel like that's one of those things that people who have a more improvisational approach, I guess, or just, or even just improv um, training, I think just, it's so much more freeing in that sense. And I just, I'm like, why doesn't everyone like feel that freeness? But you know, everyone has their own techniques, but you know, I just absolutely love it. Cause I think that's where the magic is like personally for myself, but also when I watch others, it's like seeing that little twinge in the eye that you didn't see before. And you're like, Oh my God, that was a perfect version of it. Do it again, you know, but yeah. differently. <laughs> well, and you feel it, you can feel when you hit on something that resonates with your audience. It's, it's very fascinating um, to, to feel their relaxation and you can feel, I mean, just that, th- that's something that a lot of actors always say. They love theater. They love the stage. And you see a lot of theater actors do sitcoms because of that too. You have that live audience and you get that full validation instantly 
from the audience that you're doing something that's resonating. And it's just so interesting to see how different characters can fit together based on the rules of improv too, because you just never know what somebody's going to pop up with. I'll give an example that just happened for us in our group. We were doing a scene where we were in a museum and you decided you were going to go to the cafeteria of a museum because every museum's got a little, you know, cafe and you were going to be in the cafe. So you came on stage stirring a pot and then our scene, our improv partner, Cricket, she came on and she was going to be a, a child sneaking around the basement And with improv, both of those things have to be true because you've both introduced two different things. And so what we're left with is this reality of you making soup in a basement with hooligan children sneaking around and then you have to share the space. And the two of you, it was it was one of those moments where it was I marveled at the talent of people I'm working with because. I believed every minute of it. I'm like, wow, there's a person making soup in a, there, you're making soup in a basement for children who are vandalizing a museum and everybody's happy. And it was just, it was a brilliant scene. I wish everybody could see it. I wish I could show it to my listeners because it was fantastic. Oh, thank that was that was such a hilarious thing because I also like could not keep my laughter at bay like I had to not laugh because when Cricket came in as this little kid I was like oh no I cannot throw away my initial idea I have to keep it going because I knew that it would just be such a funny release for the audience because that's the funny of improv it's we all have our own ideas of going into a scene but if someone else initiates you don't want to necessarily lose what you just had in your mind but you need to be able to support what they what they just brought to the table so the, and that's where the funny kind of lies in where you're seeing these two different characters you know this in, like whether it's like a this kid or a hooligan or whatever and then this like crotchety like you know cafeteria lady and it was just it was just so great and it, figuring out just well how do I make sense of this mm-hmm. and and you know and that's the thing about improv if you both adhere to the rules of improv and you both make sense of it you will make you will make the scene makes sense to the to the audience in an organic natural way that they'll just they'll buy it that's true and i find that improv has taught me even in my real life taking the the things that i learned from improv into my real life like if you like you came into that scene this was your conviction and cricket came into the other scene or it happens to all of us you come into the scene and if both people will hold to their convictions of what is true for themselves but then also accepting what is true about the other person's um initiations and choices that they make on stage it allows you to really embrace the fact that two opposing ideas can hold equal weight and have equal importance within a situation. And I take that with me and to my regular life. It it helps me to have more confidence um, when I'm interacting with other people on a daily basis. Do you find that to be true for yourself? Oh, a hundred percent. I remember I, the place I used to work at when I first started improv, I was trying to get us to do like an improv for business class. Cause a lot of the schools do that Mm -hmm. because there's so many point, you know, lessons, rules, points that are just so helpful in your everyday life. You know, simple, like the the biggest rule that everyone always hears, like people saying, we've said it here too, is yes. And that's like the first Mm -hmm. thing that you learn in improv. And it's two simple words that, you know, I think some people in the beginning, they kind of get tripped over on the fact that they're always saying yes, 
and. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily just those words itself. It's I translate it and always try to tell people it really means accepting the situation and then continuing on. And right. so if you approach life like that, where like wherever you are, just accept it. Don't fight where you are and then figure out how to keep on moving. You don't have to now give up what you are to continue. You just need to figure out, well, how do I now continue with this and still support the other person? And that's not always even necessarily meaning where you have to literally say yes and, and be in agreement with them. But how do you accept what they're saying, even if you disagree, but continue to move forward? Right. And that And that's like one of the the biggest pillars, but I think that is such a big thing that I've brought into my life. And and you mentioned how like there was like confidence in in your conviction of what you're going to say. For managers, I think improv is such a good tool to have because it gives you the ability to have patience, truly listen to what the people around you are saying, and give them an opportunity to then try and do something more. You know, support them just as much as you want the support back, which is what you do in a scene. You know, you need to support your team member, your scene partner, and trust that they're going to support you back too. So there's all of these pillars, or I like to say pillars of improv that are just so important for basic happiness in life or just being able to have a peaceful life with the people around you and not even just people, but the situations you find yourself in. If you take that same approach of yes ending situations, you'll find yourself stronger and you're not, and cause you're also not doubting yourself. And, and another one, it, there's this term, follow your foot. And it can mean when you're like literally wanting to jump on stage to either do a scene or to edit through a scene. So that means ending a scene and going to the next one or also saying what you want. Like if that's what you wanted to say, say it. And we don't give ourselves that allowance in our regular life that like here in improv you do. And I was like, I need to bring this into my life. If I want to say something, I should say it. I need to not throw it away because this other person did just said something like, what did I do to myself? I, you know, and, and so that's that whole idea. Um, you know, there's a lot that I touch on, but I think there's so much that improv teaches us as performers that I think also really teaches us as humans. And I absolutely adore it. And that's why I've been sticking to it. It's, it's one of those things where even if I find myself in a situation, I'm like, Hey, I got to improv. I got to improvise my way out of this. It's like, what would I do if I was in a scene right now? Right. And I find myself getting through things. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, when I was taking Sam's uh, classes in New York city before she developed Hudson Valley improv, I there was a woman who took I think a couple of classes with us because there was a few people that I saw every single session they would take it with Sam and we would just keep playing together and that's what they call it in improv when you do a scene you play together mm-hmm. and um she was a lawyer and she said and, we, and Sam would have us on night one introduce ourselves and talk about a little bit of a, about interesting facts about us and what brought us to improv and she said I'm a lawyer and I know the law very well. I'm very good at what I do as far as making decisions about the law to help my clients. However, when I get into a courtroom and I need to cross-examine people and I need to question people on the stand, she goes, I'm so timid. And I always second guess myself because you're always having to think about what the jury is hearing and what the, and how you're presenting it to the jury. And she said, this helps me to think on my feet and have conviction with what I'm saying and let it go. And I was just like, that's so fantastic that people, not just people, because there were a lot of people who come to improv who are looking to flex those muscles so that they can make a career out of acting. 
but there's a lot of people who do it who are not actors at all. And like you said, a business, um, a business improv class is a possibility with things like that because of that very reason. That's awesome that that lawyer did that and that she had that insight because I feel like a lot more attorneys would benefit from that same mindset. Oh, yeah. Just also like maybe being nicer to the people you're talking to. But that's right. a whole other tangent we don't need to get onto <laughs> right now. But improv also, I feel like, can help you be a little bit nicer person because, again, like when you're main, your biggest rule is yes and, like, what if, talk about being positive and supportive. You know, I think it's just such a great, you know, I guess aura, or I don't know what the word would be, but just a, a wonderful world to be in. So if you can bring that back into your life, whether it be through business, I think, it, or, or just your regular life, it, it's just such a great help. So it's cool that there's other people that aren't just like performers that are doing this or want to be in the next whose line is it anyway, you know, right. and, uh, which yes, if whose line wants to hire me, <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. I will. <laughs> yes. And that any day. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of those tools that anyone can benefit from. And I even, again, say like, you know, you were saying about where, um, improv started and it started back in the twenties before it even became a performance piece. Um, her name was Viola Spol and she's like, you know, the grandmother or the mother of improv. And she got this idea from watching kids play, which is again, why they, why the term is you're playing with each other, you know, we mm-hmm. were playing improv and it's such an innocent, beautiful start to something like this and it's like well if people just had that still same innocent approach of listening to one another of just wanting to have fun how much different would the world be especially as we grow up and become adults you know and I think it it just it's a great communicator help it's a great reminder of what's important in the world you know and I might be going a little too deep in it but that's just you know for me with improv how far my love goes for it and it just stems back from even again where it started it's just such a beautiful start <laughs> like it right. just, you saw kids and you realized wow I could learn something from these children and actually help other people with it and you know and so it's great that it could or hopefully be you know expand past just acting and or being comic relief for some people and really help them just be comfortable in their in their body be comfortable around other people when they have to do <laughs> do things because you can't really do improv alone it's you can, but it's not as fun, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> both as a performer and probably, like, I did actually see a solo improv once, and um, kudos for that guy, <laughs> but it was, and I felt like he, he, he had an actual partner, but I think it was, like, during Improv Fest a couple of years ago, which is something that the pit puts on every year. And I think, like, his partner got sick or something, but he had the time slots. He's like, well, I guess I'm still going to do something. I'm just going <laughs> to do a monoprov. And he's like, just bear with me. And, of course, we're all improvisers. So we're like, yeah, you got this. But we're like, we are yeah. never going to do this ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But I, you said you think you might be getting a little too deep on it. I disagree, at least from my perspective, because – that, not to get too, you know, meta on the whole thing, but this show is something that I started because I love to have interesting conversations. I, that is something I do pride myself on is the conversations I have are fascinating. And so that's what I wanted to bring to this. And improv is a big part of me and a big part of my conversations. And I don't think I've ever really brought any improv conversations to the show because and it might be because again like you said I'm getting a little too deep on it I might be a little too deep on it that I'm a little too precious about improv and I'm like you're not an improver you can't speak freely about this we are improvers and I've got to have the right person but um 
I agree. Like I, I do think it is that deep. I think that it does release the laughter in people. And I think that laughter is very important. You have to be able to laugh and you see these world leaders who go to these summits and they have these difficult conversations. But at the end of the day, you do see them laugh together because they know that laughter is important and having that balance helps everything in life because it's hard to, it's hard to hate somebody completely if you do have something you can laugh about with them. And it's hard to be disappointed by the way someone is. If you're laughing together, there's, it just brings people together. And I say, I've always said that, um, because I know that you've encountered this with playing with other people, the people who come to these improv classes and the improv shows and come to the stage to play and they try to find the funny mm. and it just, it takes you out of the reality of it all. And I, cause I tell people the funny is where my partner has a reality and I have a reality. And sometimes we have to navigate the jagged edges to see how we can make these two realities fit together. And it's hilarious because if there's an old man making soup and there's a young kid wanting to vandalize, it's like, well, now they live together and they have to make it work. And that's hilarious. And that's actually, and it's a, such a big point because everyone does try to find that funny or like do that anecdotal laughter, you, mm-hmm. you know, find it. And it's like, and you know, I think most people when they first start improv, myself included, you feel like that's what you need to say. Like you need to be witty, but the wit really is coming from just saying something flippantly to someone mm-hmm. and the audience be like, Oh my God, that was hilarious. And you were just like throwing away a line because you were just reacting. And right. that's the, like, cause that's also, and in life, there's funny all around us, but we refuse to see it because we let all these other emotions or everything else, you know, or the fact that we shouldn't be laughing, stop us, you know? And like, you know, it is okay that if you fell on your, you know, your ass, just laugh about it. Right. It happened, you know? And, and I think improv helps at least for me, it helped me release a lot of seeing the world in a very specific way. And, and what you brought up, even with world leaders, you know, how they're in this like huge conversation and they're really serious. But then 20 minutes later, you see them laughing. You're like, how the, like, how the hell can they just be like in this big conversation and all angry and then laugh after? And I know I've seen myself at points be like, that's ridiculous. You're hypocritical. Do you even really care? And I think improv reminds you that you said it, you did it. It happened. Move on. You know, you don't have to dwell on your errors. You know, I know that was like a big thing. I remember in the first classes I took down in the city where we would talk about like, well, what we didn't do right. And my, you know, all of our teachers like, well, it just, you'll never do it again. So move on, you know? And it's like, what do you mean? Just move on. I shouldn't dwell, release it and just know that we're going to have another chance to try again. It's like, what are you talking about? And, and I think that's what, you know, a lot of great leaders are able to have that moment and then be like, all right, cool. Well, are we going to go break bread now and have some conversations? It's all right that we just were yelling at each other. That was in that situation. We're now in the next one. And now we have to be here and let's focus on that. And it's something that I've always admired of people who can do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like improvs helped me get better at that. I'm st- I still get angry. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, but also like it's okay to be angry, but it's to not live and dwell on that anger. It's the same thing like in like with improv. It's happened. Just move on. You don't have to do it anymore. You know, it's it's done, you know. Right. And that's true. And I think I'm the opposite of you. I think I hold on to the good stuff way too long. Like when something just works, I'm like, 
could I make it work again with that character? And it's like, you got to move on. That character lived in that moment. You got to move on. And sometimes the characters do come back, but you can't be searching for the opportunity to bring that. Cause every single time that I have a character in my head that I'm like, and I've done it even in within, um, the, uh, porcupines with you, you, you and the other rest of the gang, I've had those characters that I have, I was thinking about today and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I think I'll try that tonight at rehearsal. And then I go in with that character at rehearsal and I'm like, where can she live or where can he live tonight? I'm going to be looking for that opportunity. And then I find the opportunity and I do it and it might get mediocre laughter. (laughs) It's just like, you can't, don't hold on to something. You got to live in the moment and that's what it teaches you. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and it's that whole thing. It's like when you control it, there's no, it's just not fun anymore. You know, like when you're really trying to push a storyline, even like, let's say for that, I, I definitely, you know, it's like my, the Michael Scott version of improv where he always <laughs> wants to do that same thing. You know, you can't like, that's, where is that going to take us? And also it's just even for yourself, like, again, a big rule of improv is listening. And if you come in with this idea and you want to hold on to it. What are you missing by not listening? You know, yeah. and because we've all been there where it's like you have to think about certain characters and you want to try them out. But then I've even caught myself where I'm like, well, I just completely missed what the other person said because I was so focused on, well, what am I going to say first? What's this character going right. to do? What's my action? And and I'm like, oh, crap, I just missed something really <laughs> funny. And that's why the scene's not funny anymore. You know, um, and also I think the other thing, and this is something I haven't done, but I I truly believe that it could happen. Even though improv lends itself to humor, I think improv could also be just as impactful from a dramatic standpoint. Like I truly believe you can still be like do an improvised an improvised scene that is dramatic based and seeing again how these two characters could live together. I think it kind of does lend itself for humor, but I think, you know, there's the same idea of maybe trying it where you can still figure out your situations and where it goes and, and it could be serious, but you have a funny moment or even in like, sometimes there's funny moments or funny, like funny scenes with a serious moment and it still keeps going. You know, I think that's it. I don't know. That was probably a little bit of a tangent, a couple of things right there, but you know, it's like, it's, it's just that life of just being in the moment listening and, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes it also does work out where you have this character, you really wanted to try to make it work. And, you know, I think it's also, you know, it's funny, like you mentioned about finding the opportunity. I think with improv, it's not always about finding the opportunity. It's just about doing it. So if right. you have that character, just bring it in. You know, like there was this crazy voice I developed like a year and a half ago. I had no clue when I was ever going to use it. And we had this show. It was a live show. And there was this short form game that I think it was filmed up. So it's two actors on stage who are, they seem like they're doing almost like a silent movie. They're only moving their lips, but there's two actors off stage, one for each actor on stage that will do the voiceover for them. So hence the film dub. And I was like, oh, I'm going to just try this voice character here. And it was so crazy that everyone, like the second they heard it, they just laughed because I wasn't even necessarily finding an opportunity. But in that moment, I remembered, wait, I had this really funny voice. Do it now. And I just followed it, you know, rather than like trying to plan, well, I know I'm going to be in this game. So let me try using this character there. And, you know, it's just, it's a fun experiment. And I think as you get more into improv you trust yourself a little bit more and you learn you know sometimes it does work sometimes it doesn't and cool Mm -hmm. you just move on and go for that 
Well, and to to that point of you know the funny and the drama and everything, the best comedy shows on television that have ever been, they have elements of drama where you get to see the real depth of those characters and vice versa. The best dramas are when they have moments of brevity so that you can relax a little bit within all this drama. So I think you're, you're, you're right on it with that. I think Um, that brings me to another point that you had brought up earlier. Um, If, whose line is it anyway comes a call and you would you be ready to step up no matter what what is any is there anything specific that you want to accomplish via improv or is it improv for improv's sake for you oh you know I don't think I've ever actually thought about that um yeah I think I've just mostly been improv for the sake of doing it just because I need it on, like in my soul <laughs> as Sam and I have talked about you know it's just it's something that's there because when I first moved up so I moved up to the Hudson Valley about three and a half years ago now and even though I mentioned earlier I've been doing improv for about seven or eight years I took a year off from mm-hmm. when I moved up here and I realized like after a year there was something missing, you know, and I realized it's like, I need to just do improv again. And, and so it's kind of just been like, not a security blank, but it's my outlet. It's that one hobby. However, it would be cool to make money off of doing it, but I think (laughs) it's more of just trying, like, I have this weird, you know, idea in my head that I've had for a while of like, I would love to film a movie that's 90% improvised. Mm-hmm. Where you have all you have are bullet points of where you want the story to go, but it's fully on the actors of how they're going to get you there. Yeah. And I would love to try that project. I think it would be a logistical nightmare to film because, you know, whenever you film something, you need it to be choreographed so you know where your uh-huh. camera's going. But I would love to just see, like, if I ever allowed myself to try to be that brave, oddly enough, speaking about how improv makes me brave, not when it comes to this, <laughs> uh, just to see, like, where you can take improv. And then I think, you know, it'd be cool if, you know, eventually to, to teach it, you know, especially teach it in schools. You know, I think that's yeah. one of the things where I would love to have this be like a class everyone has to take. Cause I, I like I said, I was saying earlier, there, it's just such a great tool. And if we can teach it to ourselves earlier, we'll be such, we'll be much better communicators than we ever could be. And just, I think overall happy. So I, I think that would be kind of the two ideas that I've always had in my head, but overall it's mostly just here to keep me sane especially especially right now it's the one thing that's helping me stay very very right that's me too because I've I've been very open about the um the troubles of my life on this podcast in the last four months starting in September I my dad passed away and then I lost two friends to some decisions that they made that did not sit well with me and my soul told me I had to let him go and I had to let him go. And just after I lost those two friends, I lost my job. And then when I went back for Christmas, I had family that died of COVID and it's just been like one thing after another. And I had checked out from life um, through all that. Like I checked out from some of the projects I was doing. I checked out from the podcast a little bit. I took a big hiatus from that. Um, But I never left improv because no matter how bad I was feeling or how, whatever you know was going on that day coming to that stage and just tapping into improv it was like therapy for me it was just an ability to work out some of these things that I had been feeling and and I just I I I would go so far as to say that improv had saved my life in a lot of ways because of that 
Oh yeah, same here. That's that's why I'm still, you know, so into it. Like it came into my life at a time where I was not doing well. Mm-hmm. And it just and you, was You know what I think it is? I just realized this and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think I realized what it was and I wonder if this is this for you too. I tapped out of life because the projects you're working on, I had to be prepared for this meeting. I had to be prepared for that. I had to have, I had to do the work to show up for these things. And I'm like, I just don't have the capacity to do the work. And for improv, you don't have to do anything but show up and follow your foot. And that was just why it works so well. Sorry. That's all I wanted to say. No. And it's great. You know, definitely now, you know, like there have been some times that, you know, we meet weekly where, you know, I'm just like, oh, you know what? I just want to be lazy and I just don't want to do anything, even though I literally do nothing already as it is. Right. But, you know, it's like, you know, unfortunately I've been without a job for many, many months because there's none out there for some reason around here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like where it's like, even though I've been doing nothing or like I tell myself, I was like, no, no, no this is the time where this is for you. You get to go in, you can just let go of everything else and just be here, be in whatever world we're going to get in, whether it's working through some of your problems, you know, like being like trying to find the funny in a situation through, through your scene, or just being able to like put everything behind you and then just be here in this moment. And I think that freedom of not having to plan it or not needing to know what goes into it is such a great release you know, whether or not you have anything else going on, I think for me, even it's just, again, it's a great reminder of when you breathe and you just follow your foot, mm-hmm. you feel so much better. And it's just, yeah, it's been a huge saving grace. And, and yeah, like I said, like there's the term, like follow your foot, the idea of yes. And the, you know, the idea of just say it, you know, I remember my level three teacher back at the pit, someone, you know, I don't even remember what the specifics were, but I remember after, I guess, some people did a scene, you know, he wanted to talk, well, how did that feel? And one of the girls were like, I really just wanted to say that. And he was like, well, why didn't you? And she was like, yeah. what? What are you talking about? And I remember just sitting there and I was like, what? We can just like say things without needing to like worry. And he's like, yeah, just say it. That's the point of improv. Even if it doesn't go anywhere, you still said it. Who cares? Good for you. You got it out. Move on. And so it's like all of these pillars throughout the years have been why I keep coming back. But definitely now it's just like, this is my time. Even if I'm tired, I got to remember this is the way to escape it, you know, better like versus watching another television show and escaping into that world, escape into this world where I'm present in it, you know? Right. And you get to be anybody. You can be anybody you want. I've been rock stars. I've been world leaders. I have been chambermaids. I have been sewer workers. I mean, you name it. We've been these people because you just get to be anybody you want. And that's oh, yeah. so fascinating. Yeah, so like the other the other day, it was the cokehead. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and it was like, it was just one of those things where it was like just so stupid. I was like, I don't even know really what the character would be, but I was like, just be something you're not. And you know, we've been doing this long form call. Well, we've been calling it location, but I've also used, I've also known it as like it's like the roundabout or the coliseum. In case anyone mm-hmm. out there who is listening knows improv long form, and so what you get is just a location from the audience that's supposed to be multiple rooms bigger than the stage. And then you just see this world in there. And so we got this like very specific type of nightclub. And I was like, oh, there's definitely a Coke <laughs> addict in here. Like, let's be real. Like, I just felt like this is going to be like, you know, studio 
oh my god what was that studio studio 54 oh yeah i just was like what's the number <laughs> so <laughs> holy crudders well i guess my memory is somewhat good for improv <laughs> you know and so it was like just be something that i'm not and it's weird like there's a cool release getting to play the opposite sex and improv you know mm-hmm. and it's not for anything other than just like getting to experience something that you're not but also knowing that you're creating this character whereas like when you have a script you have a script that's helping you create the character even if you're going to go over the backstory and all of this other stuff you know your character analysis work and all of that it's still been guided in it and given to you by someone else whereas right. in improv like you get to be this character and it's still you even if you're playing a serial killer okay granted it's not necessarily meaning that you're the serial killer but like you get to know that you've helped create that and it's such mm-hmm. a good release you know and and also yeah improv will let you be those characters where you probably would never get to be and you don't have to wait to get a part to be it you can just be it <laughs> you know? right well and I, well, to that, you said you was a cokehead and you did this and you did that. And the other night, y'all, <laughs> my fellow performers, they should they taught me something. Be careful who you create sometimes because I wanted to be, I had this notion in my head, like this is a perfect opportunity for me to be a sad teacher at this school who just wants all the kids to like him. Well, all the kids took that character and turned him into a pedophile without my knowledge. And there I was. And I'm like, okay, I'm a pedophile today. Fair enough. Just, it was just so funny because that's how, like, I think we all were like, oh my God, you really went there. Okay, you're a pedophile there, sir. Like, it was just too funny. I couldn't. And then when you said what your intention was, like, oh, I feel so bad, but it was still so hilarious. Um, yeah. So, and, and to me, I think those real moments, I, I tap into my Southern roots all the time. And it's so interesting because you come from a Polish background and Rafaela is probably the most Italian American person I've ever met in my entire life. And in that, and I mean that in the most beautiful way, but we all have these things that we come from, we take from our just little things, phrases that we've heard in our childhood and we just say them and then they take on a life of their own because they're hilarious to the other people. So Mm -hmm. it really is the real moments that you can tap into that make the scene. But I just, I, I love it. I love that you can be surprised by who you'll be tonight in this show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. And like, you know, I also love improv, not just as, even as the actor, I love it as an audience member. You know, I think there's something so magical about watching something being completely created in front of your eyes seamlessly. And it's just, it's so invigorating to watch and like that's why I'm so obsessed with those like I want to be that good I need to do that myself you know and it's and it's just such a great thing and so I hope that you know with our improv we're doing that same thing for the audience members of like oh my god how did you create that whole thing sure no one's been talking about it right and it's just it's such a again like I mentioned this earlier it's such an insane high because you're like oh my god I just created this entire world and it made sense you know well, and not only that, the, most most improv shows get suggestions from the audience. Like when we're playing location or roundabout or coliseum, we say, give us a suggestion of a location bigger than the stage that has multiple rooms. And they'll say museum. And then they'll see us create a scene right before their eyes in a museum. And it's it's thrilling to see that you gave the ingredients and they made the cake right there before mm-hmm. your face. 
Oh, yeah. And it's also, like, it's just fun when, like, you they give you something that you have no idea what it is, and you still get to create something from it. You know, like, sometimes that could also happen where, let's say you're given, you know, I'm trying to think, um... Most, I guess for a location, most situations we'd, we'd know if it's like a hospital or a high school or something like that. Mm-hmm. But even within that, like even as the actor, if someone gave me a location or a suggestion that I had no idea what it was, it's still magical to know for yourself that you're creating still something from that. Right. And you're still accepting it. And from the audience, they're still going to love that. And and that's, again, you know, I think for a lot of people that they're always nervous about that, but in improv, but it's like, no, the more you do it, the more you're just going to trust, you know, if you don't know what the word is, like, so I, I won't say who it was in our team, but they didn't know what <laughs> napalm was. And this was a couple of years ago. And, and they were like, what is that? And I was like, well, just make it up. The funny is going to be of whatever you expect that word to mean. It's not about being accurate, you know, and, and right. again, an audience member will be like, well, where the heck did you get that idea from? But when it clicks, it went, you know, like for me, it's like, I don't get how the actor went there. But then when it clicks in my head of like, oh, this must have been what they thought of. It's even more enjoyable, at least <laughs> from my as the audience member standpoint. You know? One of the most memorable scenes that I remember doing in New York City was the the, the host of the show prompted the audience, give us a prompt, give us a word that is, or give us something that you would throw in the trash. And that was it. And they said banana peel. And somehow the series of scenes we did from banana peel got created the story of Oprah's Harpo Studios in Chicago. She had just left, but we're all the leftovers still obsessed with Oprah in this empty auditorium. Um, and it was just, it was so random how you get there from banana peel, but you know, that's the beauty of improv. You just don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. It's just, I absolutely love it. And you know, it's like weird that even though I've been doing it, I, like I said, I still love watching it. I get so encouraged and also I get a drive when I see someone do something really awesome. Like, Oh, I have to remember that. You know, like I remember, um, one of I think it was actually the first house team show that HVI did when the house teams first started. And, um, so the other team is, is uncle cannibal. And one of the members on there is Michael. And he did this action of like opening a window and his object work was so perfect. I just sat there and I was like, Oh my God, you need to get stronger with that. I totally just believe mm-hmm. that he opened a window and climbed out onto the terrace. It's like, it was just such a magical thing to see that. It's like, I have to do this myself now. I need to remember next time. And <laughs> yeah, It's like, yeah. So it, for me, it's like an obsession that I'll just like keep on watching or, you know, wherever it goes. But that's also why I'm a purist. Like I love who line it's a very funny show I've loved it since you know when it first was on I got to see it when they did a touring show in the area here oh, and wow. they're great oh, yeah no um so Drew Carey with I forget that it's two of the other guys who were in the original show they they actually took it on you know on tour and they were here in Kingston and I thought they were absolutely hilarious and but at the same time they used props and I was like you don't need a prop you don't mm-hmm. need a prop guys yeah. like you can do it without you know because the scenes where they're really just doing full blown like pouring the coffee without you know needing the hat or you know anything like that it's just so enjoyable but you know it's like that's my one thing like with with whose line I'm like all right you guys don't right. need all of the props they can be funny but the funnier is not necessarily you like improvising with it it's you know 
being able to improvise just in general. <laughs> right. Well, and you being you saying you're a purist, and I mean, it's clear at this point, it's fi- been 51 minutes into this episode, <laughs> and we've just been nerding out over improv for <laughs> almost an hour. And I, that's why I wanted you to be on the show to talk about, um, about improv today, because we do, we do very preciously use these words of, purist and we talk about it like we you shouldn't use um props and you have to do your uh space work which is what you do with this with the objects and the space around you we love it because we're purists and it's just it is a science to a degree that has been developed since the 1920s and mm-hmm. i i would encourage anyone to go do it and mm-hmm. i i over christmas i met someone i met a new friend over christmas while I was in Alabama, who was also from Alabama, but he lived in Atlanta and he was in Alabama for Christmas. And then he's moving to New York, North Carolina and he did improv in Atlanta. And we've been keeping in touch and talking about improv. And it really is like a cult of a sort. I mean, I won't say a cult for real. We, we joke about it being a cult, just like you joke about a religion being a cult, but it really is a sorority or a fraternity of people that you've joined this sort of lifestyle that, you just love to play. And I think that's why you really um, connect like this friend we met and we just connected instantly because we connected over improv. And it was just, it was very clear to me that improv brings people together and I encourage everyone to do some improv. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And if you're nervous about it, that's normal. You know, the and the fun is trying to figure out how to break through the nerves and still make it work. You know, it will eventually become fun. You know, it might right. be scary well, the first few times, but, you know, just know that you're going to be supported no matter what you do. That's the whole point behind it. And, and just go for it. Why right. not at least find an intro class somewhere? And, you know, I, I know most of the schools, obviously, there's no in-person schools right now. And some of them, I think I don't necessarily know if UCB pivoted to do online classes or anything like that. I know the pits put out online classes, but you still try and find it and maybe you find a little bit more freedom being able to do it at home versus, you know, physically in front of people. But why not try? And right. you never know if you don't like it, cool. But, you know, you might end up finding out that you really love it. Well, and I'll say you said at first you might be nervous. I never and I'm never not nervous. Like I'm always nervous doing improv, but it's, it's a wonderful excitement, nervous. It's, it's, it's thrilling. It's like a roller coaster because you're nervous going up that hill. Cause you know that you're about to go through the biggest drop at the very beginning on the roller coaster. And we do it every time we get on the roller coaster once a week, you and I, mm-hmm. so it, it's totally worth experimenting and finding out what you can learn about yourself because mm-hmm. You really like what is it they say about the presidency or or fame? They say it doesn't change you, it reveals who you are. Improv reveals who you are too. And I really like the people that I've seen so far all over the in the in the, you know, I guess it's been 8 years now that I've been doing improv and you said you've been doing it for 8 years. So I I think it's a venture world well worth making. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree. And if not, just start watching it. You know, there's plenty of things out there. And I think Netflix has a couple of improv um, shows that were filmed and and just see what it's even all about, you know, and just 
I don't know, try and see, maybe if anything, if you're listening to this, try and see if maybe you can find the funny in the world all around you as a start and see where it goes from there. Well said. Well, on that note, Beth Zisberg, (laughs) would you like anybody to follow you on social medias? Well, I would if I was still on it. I do have social medias, but I'm not, uh, I don't actually do anything on them. Oh my goodness. I was about to say, are you one of those people who are are principally leaving social media? (laughs) No, not, I didn't leave. I, I had to leave for myself because I noticed like, I would get obsessed with certain things. And I was like, I don't like the person I turn into, even though I'm like, I think I have a very positive, like sharing and I always try and do stuff, but it was just so overwhelming. Like, I don't know if I should post this. So I was like, I got to take a break again, <laughs> but I have been on social media, but it's nothing like good for everyone who's on there. I, I wish I could share more. <laughs> I admire all of my friends. I'm like, you guys share like 15 times a day. I can't even share once a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, if you want to follow Beth Zisberg, then go to <laughs> HudsonValleyImprov.com and check out Porcupine, which is our... Um, uh, our improv troupe and look and see when we're going to have shows and you can watch Beth and me perform together. Oh yeah. And just a little, can we do a little, uh, I guess, promo for an upcoming show? Cause we do actually have love one that. coming up. Yes, please. Let's do. Just, yeah. We actually are going to be doing, it's our house team improv show night. It's going to be February 13th. The tentative title is currently called improv and chill. Mm-hmm. I want there to be a second part of it just to be a little bit funnier. So you guys might hear a new title if you keep following us. Um, but it's going to be fully on Zoom. It starts 8 p.m. I think it's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern um, for the start time. And if you follow um, Hudson Valley Improv on Facebook, you'll be able to find the information there or sign up for the newsletter for emailing as well on the website at HudsonValleyImprov.com. And you'll be given that information. It's fully on Zoom. So you'll just be given the information, get to come in and get to see some really fun stuff and get to see that long form location that we were talking about and what it's going to be and maybe give us a really great suggestion of a world you've always wanted to watch. (laughs) Absolutely. And on that note, Beth, this has been a pleasure. I have so much more I want to talk to you about, (laughs) but we have run out of time. So will you come back sometime? Oh, definitely. Thank you. Well, on that note, guys, stay safe. Wear your mask. Stay inside when you can. Keep six feet apart. Trust the science. And keep the faith for a better tomorrow. Bye, guys. Bye.